Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Welcome to episode number 26 of Talk Truth. This is your boy Mario Evan, you don't know, from Kingston, Jamaica, and I'm so glad to be here. Another Sunday, another week of life, another week of opportunity. And trust me, I've been receiving so much love for this podcast, and I'm so glad I created it. And I'm just going to share some of that love with you right now. And the first one is a five-star review on iTunes from Small Island Girl 12. She titles it, There's Power in Truth, and reads, Since starting to listen to Mario's podcast, I've been trying to find adequate words to describe how it has impacted my life. I've had little success, but I will no longer postpone the inevitable. So here goes. Please excuse me if I ramble or gush because this is something that continues to reach a part of my soul that is not often accessed. The guests are carefully chosen and so far there has not been a single episode that has not strummed the strings of my heart. The setting is perfect as an island living as an islander living in the rat race of the often isolated continent of North America. I have quickly formed a habit of listening while on my hour-long commute. And I feel the cells of my soul actively regenerating. It seems as though Mario and his guests, whomever it may be on any given week, are sitting across from me at a coffee shop having a chat. In these moments, I am able to shed the multiple layers that one must wear to survive an often cold and unkind society and revisit the island girl that lives just beneath the surface of all of that. Mario, you have found your calling, one of many, and I'm honored to walk this journey with you, listening to every word, awaiting each Sunday morning with the excitement and anticipation reminiscent of the days before Christmas. As a child awaiting the magic of the day, love and light to you and yours. Most importantly, thank you. Thank you so much for that one. And the second one actually came to me via direct message on Instagram. And it comes from at... Ariane J underscore BZ and she says hello Mr. Evan I just wanted to say thank you for using your platform to have such amazing thought stimulating conversations I'm a Belizean young adult and although we are from different countries the culture we share makes us very much alike making your content all the more enjoyable I encourage you to keep doing what you do bringing joy humor and meaningful content to your listeners I very much look forward to your episode publications each week Thanks, Ariane. And um, all I have to say to you and everybody else who listens every week is thank you. Because this was an accident in a way. And it's just a beautiful disaster, you know. Thanks, Kelly Clarkson. So this episode, episode 26, is going to be a solo podcast. And it's the first one that I've done for season two. And I wanted to speak about a topic that's dear to my heart. And I title it Journey Persistence and the power of rejection. And I don't think there's anyone more suited for this one than me because as much as I appear to have it all together, 
people really don't know how much I've been through. Some people know, but some people don't know. And I thought in this episode, I'd really share with you some of the parts and pieces of my journey that I probably haven't advertised or been able to put together neatly into the package of a podcast episode. And and it's true, we look around and we see some people who seem to have it all together. Yeah? They don't need any help. And, and they're doing so well. They must be making a lot of money. Doctor, musicians, doing all of these things. TV, podcasts, like it must be amazing. And we don't realize what it took for them to get there. So I wanted to first define rejection. And it can be defined as the dismissing or refusing of a proposal, idea, etc. So most times it's when you propose something and it gets shut down. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen because on something external of you is not allowing it to, to move forward. And the facets of my life I wanted to really speak about regarding rejection include music and entertainment, relationships, um, just general acceptance in life, medicine, and um, rejection of self, which is something that we often don't ever think about. So I wanted to start, of course, with the one that may be most familiar to you guys, which is music and entertainment. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure how many of you know how much I've done, but I am a recording artist and I brand my music Reggae Soul. In summary, I've released a debut album. One album under the belt, self-produced, recorded live in a studio. And... As far as people are concerned, I'm either a cabaret singer, wedding singer, or a young artist on the rise. The latter is what I really have always seen myself as. But in conversations with people along the way, especially when they find out you're a musician, a lot of the things that people tend to do when they don't know who you are is assume that you've done nothing. And that's always very dangerous. But along the journey, I have pushed really, really hard and some of the things that I have done that people would be like, why you don't go and audition for X Factor? Why you don't go and audition for The Voice? Why you don't go and audition for Rising Stars? You like my voice of, of um, questioning. But nobody ever really stops to say, have you ever? Did you ever? It's just you're a little Jamaican boy trying to be an artist and I've never heard of you. So because I've never heard of you, you've never done it. I don't remember the years right now, but I've highlighted a few of the many auditions that I've done. And I feel like any performer can appreciate this. I auditioned for X Factor USA. I did it in New Jersey. And I call them a cattle call audition, which they are sometimes called because of the number of people that come out to audition. You have thousands of people coming into an arena, usually it's in a stadium. And of course, you have to register, you get your number. And for this audition, you had to do your initial audition, which of course is done with a prejudging technique. Multiple tens of prejudges who have to narrow down this large crowd into a smaller crowd. I moved from my first audition, which I use um, my rendition of Turn Your Lights Down Low by Bob Marley with the Lauryn Hill rap. And it got me to the next round. I had to come back to Jersey on a different day to audition again. And this time, all of those people in the stadium were gone. It was a much smaller room. Um, when I did my audition again, I kept the same song. And I ended up having to go to the next round. And what that next round was, was a room with a camera and two producers. 
the two producers uh, allowed me to sing again and they also interviewed me to kind of find out my story. This would have been, in essence, the round before TV auditions. So when we see X Factor on TV, all of those people have gone through like three previous rounds before they actually do the on-TV audition. And you also have to sign a contract. So you don't see Paula, you don't see Simon, you don't see anybody until you hit TV. So all of this is done by other people. Well, I did the interview with the two producers in the room and I was not accepted. So I didn't make it through to the TV rounds, but I made it to the third stage of the game, which is huge. The same year that Tessan Chin auditioned for The Voice, I also auditioned that year, not knowing Tessan had auditioned, but I auditioned in New York. And when I auditioned in New York, again, cattle call audition, lots of people. Um, for this audition, I got called in batches of 10. So I was in a room with two people. One of them seemed to be the producer, and the other person was kind of assisting. And each of the 10 people had to sing in front of each other. And we got called up one by one. And she had piles. She would kind of neatly pick up one paper, speak to you. You sang a verse and a chorus. Then she would rest the paper in one of two piles. I think one was a rejection pile and the other one was like a standby pile. In my estimation of the 10 singers, there were maybe about three that really sounded good. And I included myself in that three. And at the end of the audition, she said, thank you guys so very much for auditioning. Uh, wonderful voices, but not exactly what we're looking for today. Thank you. And we filed out a dear like cow. Uh, and I would just come out and we just left and we go, we'll go away yard. Little more with it here, said Tessanchin. Make it true. And I was happy for her and proud of her because, you know, it's wonderful when you come from such a small country and you can have such a great platform on a world stage which is being viewed all over the world. You know, we, we continue to do this as Jamaicans and it's fascinating. Uh, a few other smaller ones would include Compound had come to Boston while I was in Berkeley College of Music and Compound Entertainment would be Neo's uh, company and they were looking for talent. And, you know, it's funny, this podcast had to made me jog my memory about all these things that I had done. I was so hungry and I still am hungry, but not, not like how I was focused on a line then. But but this is just to illustrate to you the work that goes into becoming successful. And again, Boston, long line, I went in and I sang for Neo. Neo was right there, like a couple of feet away from me and a table. This was like a table full of judges. And um, in and out, never made it. Uh, there was an audition for the Essence Festival. You know, they have an annual concert. And this one, again, Cattle Call, New York, went really well. I made it past the first round made it to the second round and um, there were some high profile judges. One of them was um, the producer that produced a lot of Danny T. Kane's first albums. Um, I just forgot his name, but I will put it in the show notes. But I mean, I had known him from the show on TV and um, so seeing him was a big deal. I was kind of like, wow, this is him like in the flesh. And I actually got to sing for this guy um, with Essence Festival again, also didn't make it. Uh, but the best one for me was Amateur Night at the Apollo in New York. This one was special for me because the auditions for the show happened throughout the year, multiple times in seasons. And when I did my audition, I ended up pretty much being put on standby. So, you know, when I got there, I sang, they put me on standby, they said, we'll get back to you. Months had passed and I figured, well, 
fine, if I don't hear from them, then nothing is going to happen. But the way how Apollo works is that if they need to fill a void, somehow they have a system where they probably go back through the standbys and they find somebody, just pull on somebody. I got a call saying, hey, come in, we want you to come and be on this next show. So I was I was floored. I, I grew up watching Showtime at the Apollo, you know, with the Sandman and when Steve Harvey used to do it and rubbing the tree, the tree, you know, of hope or whatever it's called. Gosh, I need to remember that. Don't kill me, Apollo people. I know this. I just, my memory sucks right now. But anyway, you rub the tree root, which you have to do at Apollo. If not, you cannot perform. And um, it was just amazing to actually be in that space that I had seen on TV as a child. Me, my parents would sit down in this little room in Havendale and watch this show. And it was just so distant from me. And to think that I was actually in this theater in Harlem and going to be on the show. And I won the first round again with Turn Your Lights Down Low by Bob Marley and Lauren Hill. Made it to the second round. Won the second round, same song. Made it to the third round. And there was this badass singer. And and she was really good. She played the guitar and she was she was really good. And um the audience loved me. I had my fans out. They were with their placards, Jamaican flags. I mean, it was intense. I had the little bit of Jamaica and, and friends I had in New York were always there every every week to support. And I tied for third. There were four rounds and I made it to the final round. And in the final round, the competition was stiff. Uh, the thing with Apollo, sometimes dancers can win. And a Michael Jackson impersonator won. So we never even placed in the top three as singers. We were like probably third place again, but our fourth. But it's only one winner in the final round anyway. But it was just surreal. Every time you came out of the Apollo Theater, you were greeted by people who treated you like you were a star. You had a lot of people visiting New York City who wanted to go to the famous legendary Apollo Theater that so many artists had had been on that stage. Lauren Hill... Um, just so many, like uh, almost so many of the legends had passed through there. You know, I I can't really explain the experience or the honor, but I would come back out on 125th Street out, out in Harlem and people were taking pictures with me like, like I was a star. And I was like, this is unreal. Like you would almost want to come through the back entrance because you knew if you came out front, you'd be bombarded. You'd be out there for a minute taking pictures with people. And um. These experiences all proved something to me and it proved that you should never ever stop pushing because a large part of this experience is persistence and with each audition came a lesson. And you know, a lot of people cried after auditions. They were so disappointed when they didn't get through. But when you're a performer and you are doing this for a while, auditions become part and parcel of the experience. You are always auditioning. When I went to Berkeley College of Music, I had to audition. And and when I chose Berkeley, I also chose Ithaca College because a part of me thought that musical theater was something I wanted to do because that was when I really realized I was passionate about the arts. I was doing Lion King in Jamaica for JMTC and Once on this Island, I was a lead role. And I was like, oh, wow, the stage, lights, music. Wow, I really love this. But Ithaca and Berkeley were just two different experiences. And I had a girlfriend at the time who went, was going to Howard University. She had already been familiar with the U.S. system. And she was like, Mario, Boston is a better place to go. 
me being as stubborn as I am, I was resisting it and telling her how I want to go to Ithaca, which is in upstate New York. Far. Gorgeous. Cold. And of the two applications, Ithaca rejected me. I had done a video audition. Berkeley accepted me to do an in-person audition, flew up there, did the audition, came back down, got accepted with a partial scholarship, and God knows exactly what he was doing because Berkeley was the place that aligned best with me. It was like rock band. It's like people who want to be musicians and write music and sing contemporary music and be pop stars go to Berkeley. If you want to do the musical theater and be on Broadway and be in Wicked and be in Lion King and dance and act, then you would be at Ithaca or Opera. And that wasn't where I was aligned. So it worked out perfectly. And Boston was the most perfect college town you could be in. Tons of students, tons of diversity, Harvard across the river. Just really a cool place to be. Uh, and just in terms of music and entertainment, I want to throw in a few other things. I had actually submitted my album for the Grammys. So, you know, fine, you create an album. Obviously, you want to see if you can get it placed. Um, I don't have a record label representing me, but I call the Grammys and I pay for my registration. And pretty much the guy tells me that I need to have a certain number of tracks in order to be eligible for submission. And I didn't meet that criteria because... My album, let's say if it had 12 tracks and 12 were required, two of them were interludes. So he's like, these interludes aren't full songs, so they don't count as, as tracks. So you're below the minimum that you need to have and um, you're below the count. So, you know, you, you can't you can't really submit. That was disappointing to hear. But um, in that, I learned the lesson that if you're submitting an album, it needs to have a certain number of songs. Uh, I learned a bit about the Grammy submission process. I knew that when I went to do, when I'm going to do a second album, that I'm going to have to look back at the criteria at that time to ensure that I fulfill that criteria if winning a Grammy is something that I'd want to do, which, of course, everybody in the music industry would want to do. And the, my most recent audition was Lion King Broadway. They were here in 2019. They came to Jamaica looking for talent, as they always do. And um, I... Joined a long line, <laughs> went in, sang my song, and um, they seemed to like me, but they said thank you, and I left the room. As I went out the door, somebody called me back in. I don't know what discussion happened while I left, but when I came back in, they decided to check my range to see how low I could sing. Many kind of mats out the dilemma still, I know where I go on. They probably thought, good singer, good look, too old to be Simba but cannot sing deep enough to be Mufasa <laughs> not 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 strong enough to be Mufasa in terms of the kind of representation of a Mufasa so I literally feel like I was hovering between Simba and Mufasa and I was just difficult to place uh, so I didn't get selected but I got like a mini callback within my audition which made me feel a bit validated because at least it made me realize that they they gave me a second chance because it was one of those kind of on the fence decisions so there was a Nyamin's audition well I had picked up myself and done a voice and speech course at MTI which I completed successfully and I did it only because I was a performer and I thought you know you're in the public eye you MC you do all of these things you should learn how to speak and enunciate 
and all of these things. So I did it not because I was planning to go on radio or TV. I did it because I thought I should have it in the bag. Um, of course, after the course, I started to look for opportunities and I saw that there was an audition for Nyamins. Um, for those who don't know Nyamins, Nyamins is that TV show that Crystal Tomlinson used to host or still hosts where, you know, she goes in different parts of the island and she pretty much meets up with Jamaicans who are preparing meals, preparing food, most of it usually Jamaican stuff. And, you know, she tastes it and she analyzes it and she, you know, you know, food shows. So me say, you know what, I'm going to do this because me want, me want to do something on TV. Anyway, me go to Nyamin's audition with my old bold self. Nervous, 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 nervous. Got the script, practiced a little bit. Yo, you see when that camera roll, I fumbled over every line. I never said one line of sense. It was crash and burn. Just a terrible audition. I knew I wasn't going to get it. It was bad. And I left. The moral of the story is, sometime after that, I'm invited to be a guest on CVM at Sunrise. And it goes well. Then the following week, I'm invited to be a guest again on CVM at Sunrise. It goes well. Somebody who is involved at the top sees me and goes, who is this guy? He's a natural. I really like him. And I'm back on the third week. So I'm like, hey, is this a job? Because if this is a job, I want it to be a job. If I'm coming back again, like, what's the compensation? Like, let's talk. Anyway, so, them hire me. And a year and a half later, I am a co-host on CVM at Sunrise on Man's World Wednesday with Raymond Price. And when he's not around, I fill in for him. And I co-host with Amashika Lorne and Angelique. And I meet a wonderful set of producers and staff and network with all of these guests that come in on out of the show. I am now a TV personality. <laughs> What? What just happened? So I do voice and speech by buckups. I fail Nyamins. That's not happening. And now I'm accidentally on CVM at Sunrise. And now I'm a co-host. And then I do it for a year and a half. Again, huge lessons in rejection. Because the lesson is really that if that opportunity didn't happen for you, maybe it wasn't meant for you. And move on graciously and peacefully. You're not supposed to have it. And it's okay. Um, so throughout my entire life, I have initially not had any validation at all on the journey. But through all of these audition processes and the multiple rejections, I learned that this was part of the process and it made me so much stronger. And I learned so much more about just pushing through and just persisting and just trying to get to that next level. Because, you know, to be honest, there's no other way to do this than to push through. Rejections continued through my life. I mean, academically, I mentioned the Berkeley Ithaca situation, but it happened as well for the Shevening Scholarship, which I had applied for about two years ago. I decided I wanted to go and do a master's in more music. I did music business and songwriting as an as a undergrad, and I said, you know what, let me go learn some more. I want to do more. I want to do artist management, music business as a master's. Do I need to have it? Maybe I don't need to have it. Do I want to do it? Why not? Life is short. I can get to go away. I can get to study. I can get to learn. I can gain knowledge that I can use to bring back to my country, impact my country. And it's being paid for by somebody else. Who doesn't love that? And I can potentially travel in Europe. I was like, I like this scholarship. I like what it represents. I like the alum and, you know, the people who, who preceded me. And this is what I'd want to do. Well, me apply. Me send one application. Rejected. 
afternoon she evening so you know you start getting your mind prepared to pack up and go to the uk and you know you look you're a little excited because you think it's going to work out because you feel qualified <laughs> and uh, blocked 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 so no she evening and then you know the, the next part about being rejected that like that is that you have to learn to just pick up the pieces and then you have to just move on so, you know, you have this plan that you think is going to work out and then the plan fails and then you have to create a new plan and move on with your new plan and life has to go on. And, and that's a really important message there as well. This episode of Talk Trout with me is sponsored by Podcorn. Yeah, you heard right. Podcorn, not popcorn. I was introduced to Podcorn when Todd, the head of partnerships, reached out to me saying they thought I'd be a good fit. I was truly excited because it came at a time when I was praying for sponsorship opportunities. And here I am today doing my first PodCon ad. PodCon is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads like this one, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With PodCon, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So head on over to podcorn.com to get started. Check out the link in my show notes and start monetizing your podcast right now. Uh, I remember when I also applied for medical school, I'd hoped I would have gotten straight in, possibly from A-levels, but I knew my grades weren't good enough. So I ended up doing a year of natural sciences back in that day, pure and applied sciences, to get into medicine. At the end of that one year of busting my ass to, to get good grades, to get into medicine, I ended up getting in, but I got deferred. A deferral could be seen as a rejection in a way, because maybe my grades weren't good enough to get straight in, but within that deferral was a blessing. That was the year when I auditioned for JMTC's Lion King. And it was also the year when I auditioned for Once on This Island. And they were two different experiences. JMTC was the first time I was ever doing theater. And I learned about stage and I felt the passion of stage. I learned about <laughs> standing in your light, you know, singing as a chorus, dancing as a chorus, learning lines delivery of lines. I just, uh, so many lessons were learned. And then from that experience came once on this island where I was actually being paid to be the lead role. And I was an alternate with Renardo Lewis from To Isis. And the music, the ensemble cast, I don't know. It was actually the moment when I was certain that music had to be a part of my life forever. And this was right before going into med school. So that was critical it was a critical time for me and had i gotten straight into medicine i wouldn't have had those experiences to mold and guide me into the performer and the creative i become i would have missed that you know what i mean it was god giving me a gap year god giving me a gap year to figure out who i wanted to be and what i loved and i thank him for it it was a really important important year for me Relationships have been interesting. Um, I typically had always been the guy who found the problem. And I had always been the guy 
who walked away if there was a problem. And the truth in that is that when you're somebody who does have that kind of, I don't want to use these words, but kind of upper hand in a way where you end up being the one that can walk away. You really don't understand what it's like when someone walks away from you. (laughs) And life has a way of bringing things right back in your face and karma is all dirty girl, bitch. Yeah, I said it. And karma definitely came back around to show me probably how I had made other people feel, not intentionally, but just by virtue of the experience. And I had a situation that ended with me being rejected and me being left. And I had become quite invested in it, in my mind, and (laughs) in so many other ways. And it hurt like a bitch. I'm not going to lie, it hurt like a B.I. And that was one of my biggest, 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 biggest life lessons. Like I learned so much from that because it was in those moments that I realized that I didn't love myself as much as I thought. You know, I, I then questioned a lot of things about myself. Like, you know, why would somebody leave me? What is wrong with me? Um, what could I have done wrong? Because uh, I still was really willing to work it out. But but that wasn't the case on the other side of the coin. So I had to now reevaluate my self-worth. I also became very withdrawn from the concept of a relationship again. I became withdrawn from sexual desire. I became withdrawn from people in general. I was just a little bit of a functional mess. <laughs> And I had friends who I spoke to it about. And there are a lot of people who I never spoke to it about. So for some friends listening to this, this will be like totally unfamiliar to them. And that's fine. I only do ask me about it. Come and I talk about it. Just listen to the podcast. And, um, you know, it was a it was a rough time. It was a rough time. It was a rough time recovering from it. And, and largely because when it's fresh, you usually don't really understand a lot of the why's. And the whys that I came to know at the time never added up. But of course, time as usual reveals. And then that's when you also become stronger, when you learn more truths about the situation. And those truths kind of helped me to come into a happy place again, you know. (laughs) Started to see the light and started to feel like me again and love myself again. But... I learned many lessons about not rushing into relationships, about setting very clear boundaries, about being comfortable with who you are and honoring what you want in a relationship and the things that you think are right without apology. And if whoever you're talking to is not so aligned, then maybe you shouldn't be together. I learned a great amount of self-discipline because enough time when them things that at me a while, like, troll internet and just do some crazy shit some crazy shit where you wouldn't normally do <laughs> and you have to say to yourself but I would this though I would this father like I would this I really want to run up in other place if you maybe see what I go on your son's pray a thing and ask a friend a thing about this and I mean I said no but it's a crazy people behavior but it's so real like I saw so many other dimensions of of my emotions that I had never seen never seen before i was like who is this and i like when you hear the people say love can make you do crazy things make me tell you 
anyway that was that um what i do i never really ever blame anybody for for how how i respond to a situation but um it definitely calls me to slow down <laughs> and just sit back and just reassess my next movements in in the relationship department and and um i think that's still a bit stunted but we're always we're always working on it one of the most important things out of that situation too i had a friend who said something really magical to me and i want you guys to hold on to it again as a lesson of rejection the message the friend said was mario <laughs> you were just saved the universe saved you don't be sad the universe saved you those were not the exact words but when you think about the sentiment behind that expression really what and i mean it, the timing of it was perfect because i was so hurt i couldn't appreciate why and when somebody says something to you like that you don't actually really wrap your head around it in that moment but i held on to it and it is usually you know 2020 the hindsight when you're like yo my friend was right <laughs> that situation they never right for me and the universe saved me and i didn't even realize that all this time you yeah, beg for more and universe has said the universe has mash it up and you mash up yourself and you and you go about your ways and then you're like when you look back you're like you know what this probably shouldn't have happened anyway it was a wonderful experience bless god but let's leave this alone <coughs> so thank you friend appreciate you acceptance general acceptance um i've spoken about this on some of my previous podcasts in in some detail but i mean i was a kid that was bullied and um i don't really have a problem talking about it i'm not embarrassed about it because it wasn't asked for but kids can be unkind i have always been a relatively gentle soul in terms of my demeanor and in a Jamaican Caribbean context and culture that often can lead to a lot of bullying and you know it was an interesting dynamic because it was difficult in the younger years to be bullied and and you don't really have a way to escape it or you're not really sure how to navigate it for me bullying was a form of abuse and rejection and it taught me how to network and by that i mean it was through being bullied that i learned to navigate personalities i use my libra i use my mario i use my intuition to start to read people in milliseconds i knew when people were insecure i knew when they were angry i knew when they were trying to use me to build themselves up and i equally had a retort whether it was charm or charisma or something that could balance that out or play against it or play into it to protect me <laughs> so i literally used my brain to to protect me and it wasn't that it wasn't being genuine i was still being me i wasn't being somebody else but you know then people can talk them way out of situation i essentially was forced to become that kind of person to protect myself because that was how i would get out of situations 
I would have to find a way to convert it into something else. And that gift or that skill that I developed through being bullied has translated into the human I become. I think it has made me a great doctor. It has made me a good counselor. And I think it has allowed me to interview people with a certain amount of sensitivity and um, appreciation, you know, for what they go through. Because I don't think anybody necessarily would see me now and think that I went through years of bullying. I'm talking from prep school all the way up to high school and then it just got less and less and less but I think almost in every stage of life there may have been at least one or two people who felt like they wanted to exert some kind of power over me in an unkind way but I mean as I said it just transformed every year when I got to high school I had friends who were older than me I had an older brother in high school all of these things were somewhat protective I became very well known and popular and then other things start to overshadow whatever people want to tease you about so if you think you're smart your smarts can kind of balance that out if you are talented your talent definitely can balance that out and uh, it's unfortunate that it does but um these other elements of yourself become protective and you you use them and you rely on them one last type of rejection i wanted to speak about is self-rejection and that can be negative self-talk um, is a type of rejection I think that is self-rejection I find that this one is the most destructive and the least powerful but I feel once you overcome it you do have lessons from it and for me personally I guess a lot of the negative self-talk someone like myself would had have is if when you get into those days and those spaces when you compare yourself to others and you feel like you're not doing enough and though most of us try not to do it, I'm sure there's a day when it happens when, you know, you look across and you see somebody who has a child and you don't or is further along in the music industry and you're not or who seems to be more comfortable financially and you're not. And really, you know, I spoke about this in, in a, some of the episodes in season one um, about keeping up with the Joneses. We, we all know that we just really can't look left or right where life is concerned, we have to kind of just walk our own paths and forge our own journeys and really become super appreciative of that journey because you cannot live anybody else's life nor can they live yours and your life is just a unique blessing. I always tell people, you know, I'll say in some of these podcasts that I'm not the richest person in the world but it's not really about how rich I am. The point is that my dynamic life, I don't know if anybody has this exact life. You know, who gets to do medicine, sing, podcast, be on TV, sometimes be on the radio. The combination of things that coexist within my existence are an eternal blessing. And if for any moment someone with this type of blessing complains, it's just wrong to do. So I refuse to. You know what I mean? So try to avoid negative self-talk and rejection of self, whether it comes down to something about body image or anything else that is in your mind that is eating your brain cells away. As we move closer to the wrap-up, I just want to mention some things from a wonderful book I'm reading. It says 21 Ways to Achieve Lasting Happiness and Success. The book is The Power of Self-Discipline. 
No Excuses by Brian Tracy. And there are a few things that he says that I want you to remember as we speak about the journey and persistence and the power of rejection. And he says that persistence is self-discipline in action. Your ability to persist in the face of all setbacks and temporary failures is essential to success in life. That's something that's really, really, really good, good to note. And another thing that I thought was really cool was refuse to blame others or make excuses. You know, you need to look for reasons why you are responsible for what happened rather than trying to pass off the blame onto other people. No excuses. So that's also another important quote as well. And I think there's one more that I want to give you from this book. But otherwise, I have to go buy Brian's book. But long and short, he's, he's saying that really self-discipline, persistence, remaining accountable, accountable for yourself is the way to go. And a few of my final words and recaps. Um, some words I want you to keep in mind. Patience. Don't rush the journey. You know, your time is your time. Never, ever forget that. Don't rush the journey because I remember years ago I wanted to meet Tamichin. Years ago. She may not even notice, know this, but I may have written a Facebook message. It was a cold call message. You know, I never knew her. But I was really hungry. And people were like, why don't collaborate with people? Why don't reach out to? I never had no link to her, so I just wrote her a message. I don't think she responded. Moral of the story, she, one, didn't know me. Two, because I'm a much busier musician now, I know what it's like to be focusing on getting your shit together <laughs> while receiving messages from other people who want you to help them get their shit together when you don't really even have enough time to get your shit together. And clearly, I was in the mindset to know that she probably was too busy to, to respond to that message, nor did she know me. So I was not entitled to a response. Fast forward to now. And Tammy Chin reaches out to me because she listened to my podcast and she liked the quality of it and she liked the content I was speaking to and suggested, can I be a guest on it and can you be a guest on mine? Years later. So I want you to really marinate in the power of patience and putting in the work. And I also, the, this podcast sits heavily, not just in the power. The power of rejection is perspective. And the perspective that you are given is the other side. So you know you can win the lotto and you can get all the money and it's going to be happy. But if you lose, you're going to have to continue life <laughs> And you're going to have to know what it feels like to be rejected and to not get through. And what do you do with that rejection? Do you try again? You know what I mean? What if your body weight is too much to, to have an experience like paraglide maybe? I don't know. You're too heavy to do something. Are you going to just stay that weight? Or are you going to not have the experience when there's something that you could change? No, I think the lesson is that in that is to... Change your perspective, lose the weight, and have the experience. And then that brings me to the third P, which is persistence. You're going to have to be persistent to get that done, right? 
So the power in rejection is great as there is always a lesson to be learned. And I like to tell people to not be disappointed about the pain in rejection. Because let me tell you, the pain is where all of the growth comes from. The pain is where the good songs come from. The pain is where that Adele shit comes from. You know what I'm saying? If you're a writer, the pain is where that poem comes from. The pain is where all of the healing and the growth comes from. So rejection, in essence, gives you a growth advantage, actually. And if we historically look at the toughest people in the industry, in the world, and you listen to their story, most of them have gone through significant, significant amounts of rejection. So, you know, because all of my experiences of sacrifice and complete dedication have sometimes been met with people who assume incorrectly, it can be hurtful that you know that you've put in this much work and people have the nerve to not approach you with a question, but instead an assumptive question like, why you don't audition for X Factor? Why not? Had you ever auditioned for X Factor when you were away? Have you ever thought about auditioning for X Factor? I don't know. There are ways. There are better ways to communicate to somebody because what that communication is saying is not so much a genuine interest as to whether you've done it. It's an assumption that you haven't because you're not where they see you. Again, you as the person on this side, you have to just kind of appreciate that people mean well. And a large part of that means being gracious. And being gracious means not clapping back if you feel offended, but instead trying to put yourself in their shoes and be sensitive to the fact that they are asking or suggesting based only on the experience and knowledge that they have. And if you're mature enough to stand back and appreciate that somebody's speaking only from the knowledge that they have, then you are not required to be angry with them for that. Um, whether you want to make it a teachable moment or not is up to you. Uh, of late, I tend to not want to. Of late, I tend to really let the universe work on people. I tend to take a more silent approach. Uh, if someone asks me something that I don't feel worthy of answering, I don't answer. If somebody asks me a question that I don't feel is their business, I just ignore it. <laughs> and it may seem rude or impolite, but I think sometimes people know that they're asking something that they shouldn't ask. You know what I mean? Some other tips I want to drop, you know. I always listen before I speak. I never give unsolicited advice unless I'm asked. And I ask questions to seek understanding before I assume. Because I know not of another man or woman's journey without asking what they have done to get to where they are. So before I leave, I just want you guys to remember... Let's be more sensitive to one another as we traverse this life. Because I discovered my worth and learned to be persistent through rejection. And I honor this journey and I try to be present in it, in every moment of it. Because the journey is really where all the magic is. So you guys keep enjoying your journeys Keep being good people and don't frown on rejection because there is beauty and power in rejection. Blessed love, guys.
As always, guys, thank you for listening to Talk Truth. You know what to do. Follow me on Instagram at Mario Evan. Follow Talk.TruthJA also on Instagram. We are on Twitter and Facebook. And we have a website, which is TalkTruthJA.com. Shoot us an email if you have anything you want to share with us. Questions, comments, whatever you want to do at TalkTruthJA at gmail.com. It's always a pleasure being here, guys. Remember to go to Apple and iTunes and rate and review this podcast so that I can read your love notes on air because I really love to do that. If you are moved by the episode, take a screenshot, repost it on your social media, tag me and tag the show on Instagram and the hashtag is TalkTruthJA. We appreciate the love. It means a lot to us. It makes me know that you are listening. So, of course, you are listening to Talk Truth, a place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. This is Mario Evan. See you next week. Rest in peace, Barry Moncrief, Uncle Barry. Thank you for your contributions to the arts, dance, fashion design, being the human you were. Sleep in peace. <laughs>